GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, businesses, and creators to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and build thriving communities. I'm Jay Bird, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead. What's up, Kai? What is up, my friends? On today's Doer Spotlight, we are talking with Nick Vale from ReNFT, and we're talking all about rental NFTs. This is a super cool new use case happening in Web3. We talk about five specific use cases uh, where we're going to use or where you might use rental NFTs. Uh, and we also talk about some of the infrastructure and kind of how this stuff all works. Um, I didn't really understand it uh, previous to this, but there's a moment where in this podcast, Jay and I both go, oh, now I get it. So wait for that moment because that was really when we get, now I see where this is going. Uh, so that was really, really cool, um, but excited for this episode. It was It was a great one. Yeah, Nick Nick brought a, a wealth of background. He spent a decade in the gaming world. He actually built one of the the number one best-selling game on Xbox Indie Live previously, and I think as well the number three best-selling game there. Mm-hmm. So a ton of gaming experience, which is really what allowed him to start to conceptualize the idea behind ReNFT. He also spent, before founding ReNFT two years ago, he spent a few years on the marketing team at the Sandbox, so really deep in the Web3 space, really strong knowledge there. Yeah, yeah. it's always nice to have people on the podcast who are like OGs in the space, mm-hmm. and Nick has been involved in the space, I think, since 2014, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. I can't remember exactly what he said, uh, but you can tell he's just got a wealth of knowledge. He's really in on like the deep inner workings of what's happening here in Web3, uh, both on just the, the culture side of it, but also the the infrastructure side of it um so it's, it's nice to get a big brain and an og like that uh on the podcast all right well let's dive into the show but before we do we need to take a minute to hear from our sponsor the future of social media is here and that future lives in web3 on top of lens protocol web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption you see the epicenter of social media is the creators and yet they are the most neglected web2 platforms like facebook TikTok and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or the profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Nick, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Excited to uh, to chat with you guys and jam. Man, we're we're super stoked too. Rental NFTs is something that we started talking about maybe like a month ago on our weekly uh, roll up, Kai. So, but you're the first you're the first building in the infrastructure space of rental NFTs. So excited to deep dive on it. I love to hear it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of interesting applications, exciting things we're building, um, and so it's definitely a, an underexplored kind of space within NFTs. That's for sure. Amazing. Well, before we jump into the use cases for rental NFTs, 
love to hear your, your rabbit hole story. What first got you into this space? Why dedicate your life and found a business in the space? Uh, what's uh, What got Nick down the rabbit hole? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess most of my experience is really in kind of traditional game development world. So specifically back when Xbox indie games were all the craze um, pre-game engine days, we did two games in particular, one of which was the first port of Minecraft to Xbox called Total Miner. We grew that to be the best-selling indie game of all time on Xbox. Um, went on to do another game that was like this janky early Fortnite. It was a builder, voxel, shooter combo, some UGC elements uh, way early on, which was number three. Um, but then kind of, you know, I had known about crypto, uh, in specifically Bitcoin in like 2011 or so, but didn't do much. Um, and then in 2014, we were trying to do this concept around sports betting uh, with my brother. And, you know, back then, uh, betting in general was, you know, especially sports betting was seemed worse than murder in most places, right? Like <laughs> frowned upon everywhere. And so today it would probably work, the concept, but nonetheless, Bitcoin was the perfect way to do it. Um, we sort of scrapped that. Um, and, you know, I really fell down this rabbit hole of blockchain tech, peer-to-peer -peer money from a research standpoint, personal thesis standpoint, you know, the, the whole slew, the Reddit rabbit holes way back. Um, then in, <laughs> in 2017, I learned about NFTs through CryptoKitties and that was really my world's colliding. Like gaming assets mm -hmm. just made sense. You know, at the time there was very minimal things happening, some artworks, that kind of stuff, right? Um, came across a project called The Sandbox way early on, if you guys are familiar. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I ended up actually joining there with Seb and the team super early on. Uh, built a bunch of initiatives there where ultimately the core re-NFT idea was kind of born from. So mm. a little bit of a blend of gaming, crypto, tech, a little bit of everything kind of peppered in there. And for me, like I saw the evolution of centralized platforms also shutting things down, right? Like the, the Xbox indie game marketplace was shut down on a whim because Microsoft wanted, you know, more value extracted from the arcade marketplaces. And we had all these, you know, ha we had millions of users that were just vanished overnight that had created all this content in our worlds and it was gone effectively, right? So it, it really resonated pretty deeply with me when I found out there's there's a way out here. You're, you're an OG in this space. I'm wondering if you can just give us like a quick, like overview of what was it like back in what, 2014, 2015, when you were first in the space versus, versus now? Cause I think it's a very big difference, but for a lot of listeners who are fairly new, can you give us just a, a little, you know, recollection of what it was like then versus now definitely yeah it, it was it was not even close to the same right like there was really <laughs> no full-time crypto there wasn't really money to necessarily be made right there was experimentations like innovative tech happening it was really like research-based group chats like there, mm. there wasn't much else really happening um, i mean like, a lot <laughs> of exciting visions and in, in like initiatives but there was no like uh, true, true full time, right? Um, and then like, especially in NFTs in, in 2017, I, I felt like there was probably a hundred of us in, in uh, on Twitter <laughs> that were the existence of everything and every project. And like, you could DM any founder of any project and you probably knew them from something. Um, so it's it's definitely been a, been a wild ride, but um, an exciting one nonetheless to see people actually sort of wake up to what's happening. Right. Before we get into, you know, the use cases of, of rental NFTs, which is kind of the purpose of this the show, I'm just curious, you know, you, you founded re-NFT. What, what led you to that? Obviously, you've been in the space for a little while. What was the thing where you're like, oh, that's it. I got to make re-NFT 
Uh, and then maybe also just explain a little bit about what re-NFT is, just kind of short, just so so people are have some context. Definitely. So for for me, you know, I was at the sandbox. We were seeing our early days of land sales, right? They were effectively around $40 or so, and they would like even hardly sell out, right? Like there was gaming assets didn't even make sense quite yet. People didn't see the vision. And for for us, like, you know, we're seeing still users acquiring all this land and all these assets with no other intent but to be a landlord and rent them out in the simplest mm -hmm. first case, right? And it was kind of mind-blowing to my my co-founder Naz and CTO and I that like people didn't understand that additional tech needs to be built to enable any of these sorts of things, right? And our mm -hmm. thesis always was that NFTs are a technology, right? I think a lot of people associate them in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, the, the future is you're not going to know they're there. They're just there and you know what you can do with these digital assets, right? And so we were, you know, pretty early on in our thinking of, hey, let's experiment with primitives that we think will eventually happen, right? If you believe in NFTs as an infrastructure, um, traditional financial um, infrastructure is going to happen. It's going to come on chain in some form or another. And so we really set out to you know, at a hackathon initially, we created this concept, it was a chain link hackathon, um, and we, we ended up winning. So we went to a couple other hackathons, like three or four, we won those. And we're like, hey, maybe there's, maybe there's something here, right? There's more to these assets than just art at the time. I feel like you just nailed it with the NFTs or a technology line. That is, mm. we, we talk about that so much on the show is so many people are so caught up in the, the current use cases of this stuff that it's difficult to understand that we're building infrastructure in order to create who knows what to be honest right i don't think you know none of us can see what it would be like five years from now the example i always use is you know i always talk to like a traditional consumer and you're like do you know what happens when you open a website right or your web browser and they're like well it's it works it's there <laughs> lot happening beneath that from an HTTPS protocol to JavaScript to whatever, right? But you don't need to know that. You just know mm -hmm. you go to Twitter, it loads, right? 100%. It is funny though, how many people are so tribal about this whole space when meanwhile, it's it's all about these blockchains and protocols and things that like no one is going to know or understand in the future. Yet people on Twitter are just going nuts. Like you're a maxi this and you can't support that one. It's like, what is everybody's problem? Just relax. It's just a bit of tech. Like what's going on here? Absolutely. It'll be interesting to look back in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. at, you know, they're ingrained in the internet. So we can kind of look at, look back on those. For sure. Okay. Let's jump into NFT rental use cases. So maybe you can start Nick by just giving us a high level list of them. And then I'd love to jump into them one by one. Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, First, like, uh, I think a lot of people get caught up on the term rental when at the end of mm. the day, like, it's important to zoom out and take away the term rental and like more than anything, what we really fo are focusing on is like being able to trustlessly um, and automatically temporarily borrow and use assets, right, for people and, and lend them out trustlessly as well. And so like, the sharing economy, everything is rented, right? Like, in today's date, you're renting a car when you're essentially, right? It's just a glorified rental when you're hopping in an Uber, you're, you know, you're renting someone's time, you're renting furniture in your house, some people even, right? Like all these different use cases. Um, and so our broad vision is really like anywhere there's this some sort of temporary use, right? Rather than just framing it as a rental. Um, but mm. we're definitely gaming focused initially. That's where we see a lot of our super exciting and initial cases that get us to those broader ones. 
uh, within gaming, there's a lot, right? Even if you're just focusing on that bucket, you know, there's there's access you know, for accessibility in these new worlds. There's like token gated levels, right? Like similar to these black markets mm -hmm. you saw spin up within gaming, selling accounts, like all of these different like potential use cases. Um, digital fashion and expression is another exciting one. You know, when you're playing Fortnite, you might have a hundred skins, but you can only wear one at a time, right? Mm -hmm. um, these sorts of things. Um, virtual land event tickets just to rattle off a few as well mm -hmm. um, you know, like we, we've seen at some of these conferences even in the most simplest cases like nft nyc right you have holders with multiple assets and holders all over the world that might not be attending um, and they there's somebody that might want to come check out the community and maybe that will even incentivize them into buying into the community or like you know getting involved in that community mm -hmm. a lot more like um, temporary assets. So we kind of even view these as like subscriptions um, almost, right? Like I think over the next bit, we'll see a lot of creators spin up like uh, more engaging ways to interact with their fans. Um, and anywhere there's that kind of like temporary access subscription flow, um, a lot of cool things can be built off our base protocol to enable that. But gaming is definitely our core focus for the foreseeable kind of bit. Okay, so we've got Gaming assets, event tickets, virtual land, temporary assets, subscriptions, and I also heard fashion in there. Is yeah, that the, uh, a lot. Uh, that's 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 one. the six. We got six six use cases to break down here. Everybody, buckle up. Let's dive in. Okay, <laughs> one at a time. So let's talk about gaming assets. Can you give us a a sort of paint a picture of a, a specific use case for renting gaming assets? Definitely. So I guess in the, if we just take away like the value extraction portion, right? So like we saw in the boom of Axie Infinity, we saw these guilds spin up, which essentially were glorified rentals to some extent, right? It was somebody with capital acquiring assets and then lending them out in a manual trust-based manner. They were sharing accounts and account passwords is how it, it was actually happening um, to some person in a third world country or somewhere, someone somewhere in the world where you know, it's profitable for them to actually play the game and earn. And all they were doing there was giving them a portion of their earnings, right? And I think that model is, is really interesting, but we saw it on an extreme level of peer value extraction, which uh, isn't sustainable either, right? Mm. Um, but if we just even like dial in on accessibility, that's personally my most like exciting is we're seeing all these new worlds spin up, these, you know, digital metaverses, whatever you want to call them, uh, these gaming experiences. Some of them have free to play modes and there's interesting ways to still interact rentals there, but also like take a look at just like Board Ape's other side, right? A land is a few ETH. Uh, the last time I checked, maybe it's, maybe it's less, maybe it's more, um, but to even ask a user and a traditional gamer, your mainstream audience to even pay $5 or $15 mm -hmm. for an experience, is insane, right? Like they're used to a model where they can try out a game or there's very, you know, like largely in their face reasons why they're going to pay for this experience, right? And so I think it's important to note that people forget that. To ask somebody to come in and pay $5,000 to come try out an experience is insane that they can't even yeah. interact with, right? Where on the other side, you have a lot of these holders they might have a few assets. They might not even want to play. They might just want access to the ecosystem that could lend them out as a user acquisition cost to new users to try out an experience, right? 
Um, so I think accessibility is huge and it's so underexplored um, as a whole. And that even applies to games with a free-to-play mode. You know, there's still deeper engaging, um, you know, uh, game modes within that actual experience. And you'd like users to be able to try that out and experience it without um, also devaluing your existing holders that, that bought into a more engaging experience. Well, this is one of the problems, and this is really nothing to do with gaming, but maybe it does. And I'm not, I'm not big in the gaming space, but with these NFT collections that have come out, you know, the 10,000 PFPs, whatever, and a lot of them, you know, like let's say V Friends, for example, you get to go to Gary V's conference, right? And this is, I guess, more event tickets. But I don't know how much of V Friends is now, but there are a lot of ETH, right? And most people are not going to be able to afford that. And so the problem I'm seeing with these NFT collections or these like tokenized communities is it excludes like a lot of people, if they want to scale or they want to bring in more people, they either have to launch a new collection, I guess, or I don't know. I don't know how they find a way to, to bring to the masses. And it seems like renting NFTs might be a solution to a lot of these because you can rent it out at a much cheaper price. Is this kind of the idea that you're seeing here as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think like there's a lot of ways even within that, but more than ever, like what we want to accomplish is being able to separate rights, right? Like essentially mm. when you look at an NFT, you have a lot packaged into one thing. And you can't do, you can't separate that. Like, right. You look at like a V friends, right. And you have an event ticket, you have a PFP, you have, you know, maybe mm -hmm. an asset you're looking at as an investment or, you know, you, a brand loyalty card, whatever it is, you know, it might even be a gaming asset in the future. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You can't separate that, right. It's all stuck together. And so what's really interesting about what we're building is like how the protocol works, which I know we'll dive into a little bit later um, if there's time, but is we're technically separating out that right. And in the rental, you're delegating that right, right? So now if there's an event and, hey, I can't make it, but I own a V friend, I can delegate that out and maybe even earn some, you know, earn something from it. Or if I'm not even necessarily earning from it, I give somebody else a chance to experience this community, potentially get excited about it, share it around, talk about it, maybe even buy into it, whatever it is, right? And so like that separation is something we're so focused on, um, separating out the ability to just, take this utility and rent it out and do something with it, right? Because the, the, the rental infrastructure allows you to assign only part of the NFT. Is that, is that what that allows? Or are you, are you actually giving access to that NFT for a, a period of time and they get anything that comes with that NFT? No, so we basically, we work on a project by project integration basis. So like in the mm -hmm. V friends instance, they can enable rentals wherever they want them enabled, right? Wherever the underlying utility is. So like, let's say there's an event thrown in like the, it's not by any one project, but like board apes get access, um, like, you know, V friends mm -hmm. get access or mm -hmm. something. That event would be the ones that need to like accept our use right in our integration, right? Uh... So they could, like with games, they wherever they're currently loading in assets we integrate and we we kind of say hey how do you want rentals to function in your ecosystem we can tailor anything however you want so if they want rentals for like just land they can do that if they want it just for breeding they can do that or not give it another mm. place so it's like that's where it gets super interesting from a like use from a rights delegation ultimately Okay, Jay, before we go into more use cases, let's let's flip this. I want to go into the infrastructure. I think we need to I'm understand how this all too. works. I'm realizing that too. Yeah. That is very interesting. Can you walk us through the frame? It sounds like what you're doing is you're not actually renting out the actual NFT. Maybe you're like wrapping it of some sort is my guess, but I don't know. Walk us through how this actually works because I think this might help us understand the rest of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I guess it's it's first important to note, like 
we've been around for two years, right? And so we've built over time, probably every type of way to do any an existing asset rental, <laughs> new standards to wrapper solutions. We've sort of landed on our main one that, that we see most projects get excited about and are integrating all over is, is our use rights. And so how that works, the best way to think of it, to simplify it is like an on-chain database sorts, right? So you as an NFT owner come onto the platform or through an integration, you put your NFT up for rent. You're as a lender defining all your terms. So it could be in our traditional rentals, you know, upfront price, daily rental price, max rental duration, right? Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side, that well, first important note that asset, I'm trying not to go too deep, is escrowed mm -hmm. in a core contract. So it's held there so that there's not a duplicate running around when the renter comes along, right? Then right. you'd have two instances of the same asset in, in experience. Um, when the renter comes along, when they actually rent that, they're not actually getting the asset. They're getting this on-chain right in that transaction in our contract, acts as a registry that maps back to the original token, metadata, ID, original owner, um, and the original rental agreement. So it's as easily integratable as on a game side, for instance, wherever they're loading in assets from their contracts already, you're, you know, their NFTs. So like vFriends is recognizing a vFriend as their NFT. They just need to also ping our contract and we have endless ways to do it. More centralized ways, more decentralized ways. We, we get as crazy as the project wants. Um, so they're essentially just recognizing a right that doesn't actually like exist except for on chain um, that, hey, this owner owns this and they've let this person use it for mm. this amount of time and we're accepting that. So if I rent Jay's Moonbird, for example, it's not going to show, like I don't have a Moonbird in my wallet and I can't like show that on, I don't know, OpenSea or something like that. Like it's not going to be viewable there because there's, that NFT doesn't actually exist in my wallet. I just somewhere have some rights to it that is associated with my wallet telling X thing, event or game or whatever that I get these rights. Exactly. Correct? And the reason for that is just the limitations of the existing standards. And there's exciting new standards that are further out. I think years out, some of them are a bit of a pipe dream. Um, you know, wrapper solutions, which could enable that, but are still a separate collection, essentially are just more expensive, but have the same end utility and also can open up some potential like composability that somebody doesn't want, right? So like mm -hmm. imagine you're given some wrapped asset and now a loan protocol accepts it. And like, it'd be like renting out an apartment and then you go, and you get a mortgage against it because you don't own <laughs> right. right? Which is as okay. like I also love to use that example for just rentals, right? Like imagine owning an asset, you know, you get a mortgage and you own this, you purchase this asset, this home, and then you can't rent it out. Like you can't, you can't do it. You can't do anything but live in it, right? It makes no right. sense. Like your your mm -hmm. financial loop isn't completed. So let's go back to the gaming for a second. Still just trying to wrap my head around how this whole thing works. If I'm renting out, I don't know, let's say a character in a game from someone, right? Because it's, let's say it's in the form of an NFT. Um, I, again, I don't have the NFT itself, but I have the rights to it. How does that then display? Like if I want to go into the game and use that and play around with it, how am I actually doing that? I guess it's not the NFT that we're actually seeing in the game. It's more the like the data that's calling and telling the game, like show this character and, and move around with this character. Right. So like, even if you have the asset in your wallet, right, when you go into that game, the only thing that's happening ultimately is they're, they're reading the metadata, right? Mm, you know, okay. There's other ways, obviously, depending on the game, but nonetheless, you're owning the underlying data. And so they're just showing it. So with us, there's just one step, which is they're pinging our contract 
to get the data to show it instead of just pinging the data to show it right is is the easy way to put it mm -hmm. uh, so you know like marketplaces people could adopt it like our own platform you'll see it in your wallet as like a hey i'm renting this you can actually visually see it the user experience mm -hmm. is much more fluid marketplaces could do the same thing which we you know we've been in talks with quite a few to do things like that as well as also allow users to rent out to, you know lend out excuse me and rent out right on their marketplaces too so like our vision is infrastructure that can be adopted everywhere rather than like hey we're the gatekeepers and you have to go through nft but it's interesting to me that you're your customer is the project as opposed to the NFT holder. The way I was viewing this was that, okay, I'm a Moonbird holder and there's a, you know, a proof event and I don't live in LA. There is a proof event that's coming up. I don't live in LA. I can't go to it. Right. Well, I would love to be able to make some money by renting out my NFT and then somebody else can go, but that's not the way this works because unless proof were to, agree to this that they are the ones that control that access still right and again that's just because of the limitations of the 721 1155 standards right like mm. they're they're great for certain things but for true financial primitives like additional tech like us need to build and innovate right and right. Uh, that's why i always say like the community should be the ones compl not complaining but yelling <laughs> And screaming from the rooftops what they want, right? If you want to be able to lend out your asset, you know, there's there's essentially no excuse for the project because we have plug and play infrastructure that uh, like the protocol fees set to zero even and we tailor all the functionality. There's really no sweat off their back. We can enable things like very quickly, very easily um, and also provide an additional revenue stream for the project. Is the problem here that the NFT holders don't own their metadata? And they don't own the data of the NFTs, so this is why you have to go to the project, like the actual like creators of the project. No, so the the actual issue is that the current NFT standards have nothing built on a like ERC protocol level um, mm. to do anything outside of transfer, sell, right? Right. right. Like the standard thing. So like a seven to one collectible standard is really good for you know non fungible unique like a collectible, but if you have like, you know, a title to your home or something, you're, you're going to want to do a lot more things in there. Right. And so the problem we run into is it has to be trustless. So like we've built solutions where you do have full custody, it's generalized, it can work anywhere, but you know, the, the, the backstop there was collateral, which cuts off 99% of rental cases, right? If you have to put up mm. and oftentimes over collateralization mm. assets are volatile. Um, to actually rent the asset, you know, it's it's the trust to return it. So it's really just the pro. It's, it kind of just shows how early we are in the evolution of digital assets ultimately. So are you guys looking to build a new standard, something outside of ERC seven twenty one that is an NFT but maybe has the functionalities and the features to allow for lending and renting and all this kind of stuff? It's something we've toyed around with a lot, right? There's some standards out there that are exciting, like there's 4907. We've been in uh, EIP working group for like two years on, I think it's 2115, or I forget the exact number, but another one similar. Some of them we think have downfalls. Others are exciting for certain assets. Our thesis with standards is that like as these assets and the technology are adopted, I think we'll really have segmented like horizontal um, standards in the same way you're seeing marketplaces evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
I think there'll be gaming asset dedicated standards, real world asset dedicated standards. There'll be collectible standards like we have mm -hmm. now. Um, so we'll definitely like integrate and evolve with those over time. But like, there's a lot a project has to do to integrate a standard. And think of it like this, like you're, you're moving off of where all the volume is, like all your users are. Marketplaces don't support them. Right. So all your tooling is gone, essentially, to, mm -hmm. to some degree. And also, you know, existing collections need to now move their users to that standard. And you're never going to get, uh, you know, with existing assets, everyone over. Right. Because there's probably dead wallets. Some people might not even care. They might not ever do it. Now you have two mm -hmm. collections you have to maintain. Right, so it, right. There's a lot to dive into there. So I just want to. I'm trying to think about the future of where this all goes and we'll get back to some of the use cases in a second. I know we're sort of trying to beat around that, but I think there's just so much to unpack here. Jay mentioned um, the idea of, you know, maybe he wants to go to an event or he can't attend an event. And so you could basically go to like a marketplace and be like, I want to go to this event, but I need a proof pass to do it. Is there a marketplace that I can go and like find a proof pass that is available to rent? You know what I mean? That doesn't really exist yet. Um, but I'm wondering, is that where this goes, do you think, in terms of renting, where like you can just go on and it's like the, the I'm going to say Blockbuster. I don't know why that's the person that came to <laughs> mind, but basically you can go on and find a marketplace where you can start renting event tickets or gaming things. And it's just like, it's this free open marketplace. Is that eventually, like, obviously you can't do it now because of what you're saying, but is that where you see this eventually going or is that just not going to be possible? A hundred percent. Like, um, so we're, we're in fact already like well on our way there. So our, we have a marketplace on our side, right? A front end it's, it's not buying and selling. It's strictly renting and lending. Right. And we have dedicated right. custom pages for each integration. Um, so like we'll touch on one in a second, we just did with castle crash, which is seeing quite a bit of activity on a gaming side. Um, but absolutely like what's exciting though, is like re NFT, we we're white label integrating everywhere. So like we're integrating directly into gaming, uh, marketplaces that are their own market we're integrating into like broader aggregator level marketplaces those integrations like are the key that unlock all of that right so you know how the re-nft platform itself will evolve over time is actually an aggregator of rental assets like in a way a blockbuster of uh, all kinds of different assets <laughs> and then on the protocol side we will also be white label integrated into everyone's marketplace so be it an in-game be it like an event specific side, like, you know, every project is starting to spin up their own marketplaces, but we can also enable this functionality pretty easily right in them if they're accepting that use, right? Yeah, and I guess we need, you need the projects to also have the marketplace for this type of activity because I don't know that, like that's where the users are gonna be, right? The users are gonna say, okay, I wanna play Castle Crush. They're gonna go to Castle Crush. That's their user experience. And then they're gonna say, okay, how do I play this? Oh, well, I have to own an asset. Okay, well, I can't own an asset, it's too expensive. So it does need to be through that, the own, that ecosystem of the project, at least for this to scale out to you know millions and billions. So let, let's talk about Castle Crush, for example. You mentioned them there briefly. What are you guys, what are you doing for them? And what are you, I'm really curious to know what, what are the numbers that you're seeing? How much activity is there on the rental side? Totally. Yeah, so uh, Castle Crush is actually really exciting because it's the first time we've, we've seen in the space the reverse happen, which is Castle Crush is a very successful mobile game, right? They're about 100 million downloads, million and a half 
active players um, and they've added NFTs and it's developed by Wildlife Studios, one of the largest mobile game studios in the world. Um, and so it's cool to see that, right? Because they're, they've, mm -hmm. they started experimenting and enabling NFTs on some of their cards instead of putting out an NFT to raise to build a game, right? The, the product's there ahead of time. Um, they're, they're live on Avalanche. And so still like very minimal NFT integration, but it's, it's sort of them stepping in, getting their feet wet, and then it will evolve over time. Uh, so what we actually rolled out with them is our reward share solution. So it's think of your traditional rental as the rental you all know, right? Like I pay this much per day or per month, and this is what I get, right? In the reward share case, which we see in a lot of in gaming integrations is the reverse. So no upfront price, they can enable one if they want, uh, but predetermined splits of some in-game rewards could be NFTs, could be ERC20, like actual earn tokens, could be like tournament payouts, could be anything, right? Depends on the, the actual gaming environment. But with Castle Crush, they, their ACS token, which isn't even live, um, like there's no real liquidity pool, but it's, you know, there's, there's people um, still playing, you know, to actually earn these payouts. They're done daily, every 24 hours, there's a, a prize pool. And so people are actually renting cards um, with predetermined splits. So like your traditional guilds, you know, an 80-20 split, and it's all automated, completely trustless um, through ReNFT. So like, whereas your traditional guilds are essentially have a manager in between that takes anywhere from 20 to 30%, manually tracking it, sharing account password, like, it's a mess. What, what happens there? Um, we essentially like solve that scaling headache for them. We allow like also democratize the ability for just people like, you know, myself, who I own a bunch of gaming assets, I might support the projects, but I can't play every game, right? And I also don't have time to run full-time business, you know, <laughs> as a guild, just to generate some yield on them, right? And I'd like, I'd also just like, you know, to give somebody else the opportunity to experience it, because otherwise it's just sitting in my wallet anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So that one's really exciting. We're seeing um, it went live just about a month ago. Um, we're nearing just about 20,000 transactions on that integration, um, which is which is cool to see because it's also the UX isn't great yet and it's improving daily. Um, and there's very minimal NFT integration in the game right now. So like, especially as that evolves, it's going to get exciting. Very cool. Let's, let's jump. Kai, do you have any more questions on the uh, technical side or should we go back to the use cases? Let's go back to the use cases for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we have any more questions, the technical will start all right. you. Okay. So we talked a bit about event tickets. That one seems, we've sort of covered that one. Seems pretty straightforward. Uh, anybody doing that? Um, with the actual renting out or? Yeah. Like anybody, is anybody actually like, you know, we brought up examples of like, you know, VFriends, you know, our proof, all these tons of NFT projects are doing events. But has have you seen anybody offer create a rental marketplace not, for? Not yet. I think we'll see. We've talked with a lot of different like PFP projects, like yeah. that kind of thing. Anyone throwing an event. The biggest thing has been the the actual because like your PFP project at an event, it's kind of like, well, how are they how are they token gating it? How are they recognizing holders at the door? Is it a physical hardware, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing like really, really innovative companies like Token Proof kind of mm -hmm. took over NFT and we see with this. Like we've talked with a lot of those projects and their biggest thing was, well, we haven't figured out yet how to even get the token gating right. Yeah. So, <laughs> like I think over the next year, you'll see that come alive with us. Um, it's it's a little further out for sure. Cause that's the token gating is just getting solved, right? Yeah. And so we right. can solve the actual 
like because we just have to integrate with the token gating platform right for sure we were we were talking about that with, I think it was ECC where it was unlock protocol, I think did their tickets and they had to use these like QR codes and email the two. And I was like, I see what they're trying to do, but it's just, it's not quite there. It doesn't seem like you really need an NFT for this, but I think it will get there and it will be really good, but I don't know. I don't know who's going to fix that, but it's yeah. needed. Especially if it's, if it's painful, you're not going to do it if it's painful, right? Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. Unless, unless you're a web three enthusiast and we'll, we'll do anything. It doesn't matter what the UX is we're in. Okay. What about virtual land? That's, that's a really interesting one to me. Paint us the picture of how somebody might rent virtual land. Totally. So obviously like, you know, I spent almost two and a half years at the sandbox and like mm-hmm. the early days and like I saw a lot going on there, virtual land. And I think there's a lot of opinions around, open ecosystems, paid land, all these different things. But nonetheless, like there's going to be these mini Manhattans within virtual environments. And even if the land was free initially, there's probably going to be some owner of something, you know, building where the experiences are is is my personal thesis, right? Like you're going to have more traffic to certain areas, you know, like there's, there's different, if you look at like what brands have done in a Roblox, right? Like Vans World is the most popular brand experience Mm -hmm. in Roblox some absurd amount of like tens of millions of um, active users on it playing, right? So what's that actual underlying land where the experience is built worth, Mm. um, you know, to be determined. But uh, virtual land, I think is very exciting because on one hand, it's, it's, it's essentially taking what you know in the modern world, translating it digitally. You have a landlord, or you might. Um, you have somebody that owns underlying property, and they rent it out to people. And if it's in a more exciting area, a more you know um, active area, it's going to be worth more. You know, if you're out in the country, it's probably worth less. You know, and so these kind of things within virtual environments, I think, will take shape over time. As we, you know, it might be five years, but as we spend more and more time in these environments, um, hubs are going to be set up in places that people want to spend their time. And naturally that digital land or area or whatever you want to call it, the experience is going to become more valuable. And there's going to be like rental cases within that, like, you know, like digital billboards, even on that land, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. the land itself, different items on the land. Um, You know, maybe there's an entry fee charged to the land and, you know, there could be a creator that wants to set up an experience on the land. We could integrate our reward share product where, they're paid out a percentage of the earnings if it does well. If it doesn't, there's sort of no sweat off anyone's back. Um, so I know that's a lot, but I, I think we haven't seen the full evolution of digital spaces, but we're living in the midst of it. And right now your digital space is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, Zoom, <laughs> but uh, eventually it will, it will become much more compelling. We got to rent out a little space in our Zoom, Jay, for this podcast. <laughs> I, I am, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can we tokenize this Zoom and then rent out access to it? How now do I do be, that? We could assign some NFTs to time slots and then so, use yeah, there you go. To, uh, to rent them out. I like it. So <laughs> you'll be able to rent land and then basically you can either, like you said, you can either choose like, you know, you pay a certain amount of month or a certain amount of year, just like you would in the real world, or you could program it so that whatever revenues are made on that land you could just share it with the owner and instead you could do it that way i guess as well right exactly and then right. it, and that's all done on chain right and right exactly and then it becomes cool. also exciting for creators right to right. actually earn income for what they're contributing like you see this in roblox to some extent in some of these metaverses where you know it's different currencies they don't actually own anything 
can be shut down in a heartbeat, but there's real businesses being built in these spaces. I just got to pick your brain because I feel like you're someone who's really dove into this. Uh, this idea of virtual land being worth a lot of money. Do you think that this is long-term <laughs> going to... <laughs> you would. Do you, you would. Yeah. Do you really <laughs> think that this is going to be a thing that plays out in the future? Or like... I see some places potentially, but I think that we're going to be teleporting all over the metaverse. We're not going to be like walking along. Cause that's the one thing everyone hates in the real world is you're wasting time walking from one place to the next. Like, why would we do that digitally when I can just type in a, a location or click on a location and just like teleport there. Right. So that really removes, I think a lot of the idea of land having, having value except for in specific experiences. I do see that. What are your thoughts there? I'm just curious. It depends on the experience. I think the the short and honest answer is it depends what's happening on the land. Do I think they should all start off valuable? No. Okay. Right. Like yeah. I think value is created. Like, and mm. again, like my background is in a lot of voxel games, like Minecraft style, like right. And so in Minecraft, take that as a perfect example. Everyone has land. Like it's vast, it's open, it's free. But if you create a compelling server, you could charge people memberships just to have a, a username like a, a purple right. in, the, in the experience right and so i think that's how it evolves personally like we've seen mm -hmm. it a few times yeah. over and it then your land whatever it is becomes more valuable because of what you built on it because people are attracted to it it's fun it's engaging it's exciting maybe snoop dog popped up and performed in it whatever right mm -hmm. like that is how i think people drive value is from like actual use rather than, hey, it's here. But I think also there's a balance to be had. Like if it is a, the top game or metaverse that everyone wants to be in and they have finite land in certain places, it's gonna have a value because right. they have the best experiences, right? You might have a bunch of free land over here, but nobody really cares because like they don't know how to build something engaging, right? Right, right. Okay. Interesting. Appreciate that. <laughs> Had to pause the, uh, the idea of renting and just get that off my chest. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. We talked about two other use cases. We got a, we got, I think we got enough time to dive into them or at least a little bit. You mentioned temporary assets and subscriptions. I don't is, is that the same or is those two separate use cases? Yeah, I think we can kind of bundle them like yeah. temporary assets is a rental as a whole. Um, but for time's sake, I think we kind of bundle them together. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about subscriptions then, because that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I think subscriptions, we're starting to see some evolution of this and we haven't built too many ways of doing it at ReNFT yet. Like in the past, we have way back, like we built at a hackathon, for instance, say NFT with a, a reoccurring payment flow that, you know, you, the NFTs revoked if you don't have, if you don't pay your bill essentially. Hmm. The end of the day. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of those like patron style, Patreon style, like creator engagement methods. Like one of the things NFTs are allowing is to actually put a value on like creativity, content and culture, right? Like this, it's the first time you've been able to assign something to that. And as a creator, be it a YouTuber, an Instagram influencer, whatever, like, they want more ways to engage with their dedicated fan bases. And those dedicated fan bases are willing to pay more to have ways to engage with them. Like look at like, you know, uh, even like as bad as it sounds, even like only fan style models, right? Like mm -hmm. people, hey, 
her gated content to feel more personable with somebody they look up to or follow or enjoy uh, to whatever extent. Um, and I think subscriptions within NFTs get really exciting there. And we'll see more and more creators spin up these communities where their users can take their membership and sell it if you know it's not exciting to them anymore. And they're actually paying for subscription to even have that NFT, right? Like we're seeing roy the royalties debate get really interesting. Subscriptions is a different uh, revenue generation model, right? Where you still have an underlying asset that the user, sure, they don't like outright own it, but they do as long as they're paying the subscription. And there has to be some incentive for the creator to keep creating. Like people have to pay their bills, right? So it's it's definitely like nuanced and in its very infant stages, but I think it's a different take on a rental. Um, another one I'll touch there quickly is subscription pools. So like this is something we're experimenting with take a gaming case and a subscription pool, combine it together. Say I have 10 skins in Fortnite. Well, I, I can pay to have access to a pool that thousand users all put a skin into. And maybe there's different tiers. If I put in 10 skins, it's really cheap or it's free. Um, and anyone has access to those where they can actually use them and wear from the pool, right? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, kind of like rent the runway style model, um, which is doing billions a year just or using other people's fashion, right? So with subscriptions, it's something we've been talking about a lot uh, because our marketing agency works completely with subscription-based uh, customer subscription-based businesses, and we're we're really excited about this in Web three as well, where you can have an NFT, so you actually own your subscription, and let's say you pay for an entire year, but you're done with your subscription, you can just sell it. And otherwise, in Web two, you can't do that; you're kind of screwed. How how does lending make sense here? Or are you just saying that something you guys have built with re-NFT enables these NFT subscriptions? Are you saying that I could also have an NFT subscription and then also lend that out to someone else? Or how does yeah. that work? Yeah, so yeah, I guess I'm thinking of more, like we talk about it more as a different take. It's like a glorified rental of sorts, right? You're like renting use, but you're paying. It's sort of a backwards rental almost. Mm -hmm. um, so like we focus less and less on like, defining use cases and more on building the tools for to enable okay. cases for people to experiment with like i think subscriptions there's a lot of different ways to take it um but you could right like maybe you want to maybe you you want to take a month off of your podcast subscription right like there's probably somebody that's like hey i kind of want to check this out i want to see if it's worthwhile right um, but they also have to make money that that actual podcast um, so there's different ways to frame it, but, but yeah, we, we don't think of it like your traditional rental. Yeah. Well, you can see if I, if I bought like an Amazon prime for, you know, membership for a year and I'm like, I'm actually going to be out of the country. I can't even use my Canadian Amazon prime. And I go, Hey, you want to rent it for me for like half the price or something like that? That way I'm not selling it. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm not giving away my NFT or even selling my NFT, but I'm just like, you can use it for a couple months while I'm gone. That's actually kind of sweet. I like that. I never like, thought about it before. Think about it like this. How many people do you know that share Netflix accounts? Yeah, right. Yeah. Or they just add six profiles, right? Like that right there, It, like they, on, on the surface, you might think, well, you're taking away from a lot of their revenue because they just earn on idle time, which to some extent might be true, but there's probably a case to be made that more people... That, that consumers are smarter <laughs> and they're, you know, they're leveraging things like that where, Hey, I'll just put my whole family on one account. Hmm. I still use my parents, Netflix, it's 32 exact, years old, I'm still right? using it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I use I use my best friend's Netflix. I've been on it forever. I don't even know why he still pays for me, to be honest. It's like somebody it's me and his family. Like somebody has to contribute a Hulu account. You'll contribute the Netflix account. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting too is okay, so like let's take that a step further. You might say, well, okay, if the project is the one, if Amazon has to decide if they're going to allow their users to rent out their subscription, you probably say, well, why the heck would Amazon do that? Right? right. Like they want profit, but what about if we think of it from the perspective of retention? Well, we are, Amazon says, yeah, we'll let you to rent. We'll allow you to rent it out once a year, maybe one month a year or something like that as a retention tool. So you feel more ownership, you feel more tied to us and maybe you're more likely to bring a new user on because you're now a salesperson basically going around being like, Hey, I got this NFT for rent. Anybody want to rent it? So I could see, I could see interesting marketing tools and retention tactics at, at play. Totally. It's, it's a different take on a free trial almost. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That also, that also like incentivizes your users and keeps them happy. Right. Versus just canceling because you don't care anymore or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot to dive into there. Some make a lot of sense. Some make no sense, but um, that's the kind of exploration that we're excited about. Okay. I got to ask, uh, Kai, you got a, you got a question? Go for it, Jay. Go for it. Okay. I, I got to ask about uh, the crypto punk rental leasing, I believe it's called um, yeah. protocol or standard that you created. Cause this is very interesting. Cause it's, you, you made this for the crypto punk ecosystem it seems to be it's being used. Uh, so tell us tell us a little bit about about this. Yeah. So actually, I think we built that a year and a half ago, maybe a bit more now. And it it started as a marketing stint in the marketing tool. So like uh, super close with a lot of the punk OG guys, specifically actually um, a guy named Capricar on Twitter, very popular punk collector. Um, it, he had this idea, and he went to another friend. You guys might be familiar G Money on Twitter. He was a friend of ours. He came to us and said, "Hey, there's this interesting concept. Could it be built off of re-NFT?" We're like, "Hmm, that's that's interesting, right? This notion of delegating rights, right? So, like, what is the kind of like thesis and like question was, well, what is a vouch worth from somebody notable, right? Like G Money is a known collector in the space. If he's delegating a punk to you." In a way, it's like more powerful than a blue check mark, right? To some to some regard. So it was this kind of like social experiment that went nuts. And uh, let me tell you, like stirred up quite the controversy on both sides, right? People on one hand are like, why the hell would I ever rent this? It's like renting a Lambo. It's like, well, that happens. And then <laughs> on the other side, people were like, wow, this is interesting. Like, you know, we did, to give you an example, we did a competition with G money where he gave rights to his alien crypto punk, which is worth what, you know, $10 million or whatever at the time for somebody to actually use it as their PFP and give those IP rights for, it was like a week or 10 days. Right. And so like that person's follower count actually skyrocketed because they were like oh, being out for by G money. Right. And so uh, it wasn't necessarily like us trying to show this is how rentals should be used, but more so mm-hmm. there's, there's rights attached to NFTs, whether you know it or not. And mm. like social credit and identity is very valuable Huge. and important. And mm. NFTs are putting a value on that for the first time ever. And so we saw like some, some interesting experiments come from it. And some of the punk guys still use it. And um, it, was, it was a fun one for sure. 
like Hypebeast picked it up, a bunch of like random publications. And it was like the new digital flex uh, narrative, which was just interesting to see. How would one see that you, like, let's say G Money rents or lends me out his CryptoPunk. How does someone even know that? Like, or is it because then I can go and can I go and make my Twitter profile and make it verified that I have that, that one? So that yeah. actually wasn't even around back then. The, right, true. <laughs> um, but the, so what it is, is we built a platform and the, the CryptoPunks contract is very old. Like it's predates 721, right? And so right. we couldn't, you know, you also don't want to escrow a $10 million asset. You're responsible, especially us at the time. Uh, so we, what we built is like a, we actually utilized the sale function in the contract. It gets fairly technical, but we basically made a, um, like a, a code of sorts that like shows you put it, if you put it for sale like this, like it was putting it for sale for like $9 trillion. But what it was actually doing is then like, it's an on-chain right of saying like this address is giving it to this address for this amount of time. And you could decipher it based off the price. And so mm. then on our platform, it was just reading all that and deciphering it. And you can see on that platform is CryptoPunk rent. CryptoPunk.rent was the domain still up. And you can see like, hey, G Money gave it to this person for this amount of time. So it was like, it's really IP, the first case of delegating IP rights. Mm -hmm. It's funny that, you guys are building not not you guys specifically. I'm sure what ReNFT is doing is is very sophisticated and, and, and incredible now. But it's just funny that you know these are like 10 million dollar NFTs, and you guys are building this like janky code to like do these different <laughs> things. It just this space is just it blows my mind all Go the time. I absolutely early. love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so cool. Um, I'm curious as we start to wrap up here. Is there others in this space that are doing this? Tell me a little bit, like our re-NFT, it sounds like, you know, you guys are on a per project basis. This isn't like a scalable product yet. Sounds like you're trying to work on that. Are there others that are also trying to, to do this? And um, maybe just talk about the space right now in terms of rental entities. Yeah, totally. Um, we've So I guess like we're the first and oldest, right? And we've been doing it the longest. We've seen the problems. We recognize them and we like, we understand them well, right? Like I think we're starting to see a lot of newer competitors spin up, which we welcome. Like there's, I think plenty of market share to go around and like people should be innovating at the core of this. But like we, the biggest thing and advantage of us is we recognize that rentals are a one size fits most in current state and they will be for the foreseeable future. And like we get deep down and dirty with each project, right? Like we build functionality for them, use dev resources, tailor different things. There's some protocols that are building and saying, hey, use it. That doesn't really work. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a dream, mm -hmm. um, especially in these kind of times. We're seeing a lot of those people reevaluate their their thesis and and whatnot. But in general, like we we definitely support, you know, the standards. Like you have Rentable, who's creating the four, um, 4907 standard. We welcome it. Like we'll adopt it as it makes sense as well in different cases. Um, and um, but yeah, like we we're probably definitely the only protocol that recognizes and will tailor functionality for each project and like that's ultimately what they want because we've talked with games like down the ladder to pfp projects like in everything in between on what actually makes sense for them hmm. i gotta say i really appreciate your your openness to work with others and it's such a it's such a unique part of the of the web3 space is just this belief in 
and maybe it's because we're early and there's a lot of blue ocean, but I hope it's also because we're, we want to create a more open source technology and we want to work with each other and we want to collaborate. And there isn't so much of this, uh, mine, 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 uh, view that leads <laughs> yeah. to more. I, I think just... a lot of people forget that, like, uh, we all need to make this, there's, there's so few of us working on mm -hmm. this technology relative to the rest of the world that, it takes us all to make anything meaningful and actually have users for any of us to survive, right? Mm. So true. Uh, any Anything else around re-NFT you want to tell us about? Uh, maybe where can people find you? Uh, any exciting projects you got coming up that you want to shill or you want to let people know about? Uh, would love to hear about that. Definitely, yeah. Check us out on our websites, re-NFT, re-NFT.io. Um, I encourage like any project founders that think there's exciting rental applications, like we are the plug and play infrastructure. We can do essentially anything. We get as centralized, decentralized as the project needs. Reach out to us. Uh, we're, we're also on all chains, ETH, Avalanche, Polygon, Solana, down the list. Um, it, as well, like encourage community members to get involved. We have a Mission Astro program where you can earn rewards, NFTs, get involved in gaming projects, all kinds of fun and exciting things. So yeah, the, the, the typical check us out, get involved, reach out, and um, we'll let you know how we can, we can hopefully help you. Awesome. We'll put uh, all the links in the show notes. We'll link to your Twitter as well. Uh, are, your, are your DMs open if somebody reaches out on Twitter? Yeah, definitely. All right. There you go. You heard it first. Get them. Get them. Get them. Get them. Not you, spam bots. Get out of here. Yeah. Not whitelisting you. <laughs> okay. Uh, love. We love to wrap up with a speed round. Uh, so let's jump into that. First question. What's an NFT you'll never sell? That's a good one. Well, uh, like one of definitely my, my rare Kongs from Rumble Kong. It's a it's a double life of mine. And then um, also I have some, some crypto kitties from way back. Um, so I know that's expected too, but definitely those and, two. And, well, and you're, I, you're my, not going to sell the crypto kitties because they're valuable or because they're sentimental? No, it's, it's a <laughs> sentimental thing. I don't even know if I could sell them, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think there's much liquidity there. Yeah, there's like 5 million or whatever it is now. Um, but uh and then the, the re-NFT Genesis card, AstroCat, like the people in our community know uh, what's going on there. And so those are, those are my three never, nevers. Cool. I thought your answer was going to be that you'd never sell any because you can just rent them all out with re-NFT. That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> I'd like to change uh, my... You can, yeah. tell the, you can tell that Kyle's a marketer. <laughs> uh, any upcoming projects? That you're excited about a lot like we're seeing so many compelling games finally that we're, we're pumped about mm. I think the next six to eight months in gaming are going to blow everyone's minds out of the water mm. in maybe a year we'll call it but um true game like development studios not your d5 ponzi's with a skin are, are coming they've been coming and uh like it's it's a it's an as an exciting times ever like just to throw one in the mix that I've uh, been playing. Uh, I recently played the pre-alpha of Fableborn, uh, which is, is coming to Avalanche. I think that one's really cool. They actually have a fun product that's a different spin. Um, so yeah, but a lot of, lot of cool games finally. Sweet. 
Yeah, super exciting. I feel like we've been saying six to 12 months for for, yeah, now, for a while, but I believe you. I hope it actually is six to 12 months this time. <laughs> okay, last question. If you had a billboard that 1 billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? If I took re-NFT out of it for a second, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll lead with that. I think I would put uh, NF NFTs are just tech. Like, uh, Oh, yes. I yeah. like that. Powered by re-NFT at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> NFTs are just, man, I say that every single week in our roll-up, and uh, I love that. Well done. Yeah, That's more people good. need to realize. Yeah, stop getting mad at NFTs. They didn't do anything to you. They're only helping. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Nick, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for stopping in. It's been really enjoyable learning all about the use cases and re-NFT. Uh, and yeah, really excited to see where this goes because there is certainly millions of use cases that will be coming yeah. for this tech. So thanks for, thanks for building infrastructure for the space. We need, we need more founders like you. Appreciate it. And, uh, likewise, like, uh, thanks for having me really, really appreciate the time. Shout out to your guys' community as well. And, um, you know, I think we need more education in this space and, um, I think this is the best outlet for it. So, uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Take care. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.